The Old Testament reading for the transfiguration of our Lord is from Exodus chapter 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone, because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he, could, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, he would commend, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. They were coming, as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were born after 1970 or so, then like me, you have grown up in a culture that is constantly telling you how special you are, pumping you up with self-esteem and trying to convince you that you are a big, bright, beautiful light, and you got to let it shine. doesn't matter so much what you say or, or what you do or what you believe or what you don't believe. None of that matters. Just let your light shine. Whatever it is, let it shine. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't fight against it. Be proud. Let it shine. Unless, of course, you're one of those Christians with all that talk about stuff like sin and judgment and God's law. Well, you better bottle that one up. Bottle that light up. No shining for you, mister. That's pretty much the steady diet that I have been fed that we all have been fed for a very long time. And by the way, if you were born after, or sorry, before 1970, which many of you, I think, were, uh, that does not mean you're off the hook. Because the culture around us today didn't just appear out of thin air. It was cultivated by previous generations. So sure, you can blame the hippies all you want. To, but the, the live and let live philosophy and, and attitudes that led to things like the sexual revolution and feminism and flower power and free love and, and all of this, that, that didn't just fall out of the sky at Woodstock and all of a sudden it was here. No, these seeds were planted long ago. And I have a few books, if you are interested, I can talk with you afterwards to, to kind of flesh that out and, and uh, see how these things develop. But for now, today, what is happening is we are seeing the godless fruit that has been produced by those seeds. We're at the point now where we're afraid to call anyone to repentance because God says that proudly letting the light shine that is within you is actually sin. And we're afraid because at this point, if we claim to bring someone to repentance, that God tells somebody no, they can make the claim that they are victims now of spiritual violence. That's a popular term right now, spiritual violence. That is the fruit of the world that we have been fed for a long, long time. But what do we see in the transfiguration this morning? We see a bright, beautiful light. Of, of course we do. But it's not emanating from the corrupt, sinful hearts of humankind, is it? No, this light shines forth as from the fountain and the source of all light, of all beauty. He was transfigured before them, our gospel reading says. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could possibly have bleached them. This morning, 
the epiphany season ends with the big, bright, beautiful, glorious light of Jesus Christ. And for just that moment, the man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, pulls back the veil so that Peter and, and the disciples James and John could see his radiant glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, true God, true man, the source and author of all life, of all beauty, and the Savior of mankind. The Apostle Peter would later write in 2 Peter chapter 1, We do not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses to his majesty, for we were with him, he says, on the holy mountain. We heard the voice, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Like Peter, we do not follow cleverly devised myths, but the truth. Peter saw it with his eyes, we hear it with our ears, but the result is the same. What is that result? The last verse of our epistle reading tells us. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In a world that proudly calls darkness light, we're not only just tempted to go along with the world, which we are. It is quite attractive. It's much easier to, to float along with those currents than to go against them. It is quite attractive also to our old sinful flesh, which would love nothing more than to just shine bright and be recognized and strut its stuff. If we're honest, we all know that to be true. But when we do fight against the darkness, as we are called to do as Christians, Sometimes we might be tempted to look around and to think that that beautiful, bright light of Jesus Christ may have, have dimmed a little bit, or perhaps it even has gone out. But that's not the case. With great precision, Paul diagnoses the problem in our epistle reading. The problem is not Christ and his light. It is the veil that covers the hearts and minds of those who are perishing, he says. He writes, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And later then, in, in 2 Corinthians, later in that, in that epistle, chapter 11, Paul says that the servants of Satan and darkness, their end will be what their actions deserve. And so there we have that inescapable truth, that inescapable word of, of the talk of, of sin, judgment, of, con of condemnation, of God's law, God's law and his commandments, which tell us to esteem God and our neighbor, not ourselves. Only through Christ, Paul says, is the blinding veil taken away. When by God's grace, one turns to the Lord, that is, as we heard last week, repents and believes the gospel, the veil is removed. Only by God's grace are we able to see the unveiled truth. Only when God unveils our hearts and our minds do we see the bright, beautiful, shining face of Jesus, our Savior. 
Only then do we see God's law and his commandments as he intends, good and holy. Only then do we see God as he truly is, which the law and commandments are pointing us to, directing us to the big, bright, beautiful, shining face of all grace and forgiveness and love and compassion and mercy. That's who God is. In the big, bright, beautiful, shining face of Jesus, we see the gospel. That is why the Father declares from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That is, why, that is what Elijah and Moses are talking with Jesus about. Luke 9, our corresponding text there, says that they were discussing his departure or his exodus that he, he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. They were talking about his death on the cross for the salvation of sinners. And that's what we will be focusing now on the next six weeks of Lent. The big, bright, beautiful, shining face of Jesus now will make his way to the cross. He will come down the Mount of Transfiguration. He will make his way, his journey down into the dark valley of betrayal, the dark valley of imprisonment, of beating, of mocking, of crucifixion, and yes, death. To forgive us to shed his light and shine his light upon us and to win for us salvation. And now, on the third day, of course, risen victoriously from the grave, he has now ascended back into heaven and rightfully sits at, his right, at the right hand of the Father. And once again, he is shining bright and beautiful in all his glory. The glory that he had with the Father from the foundation of the world, from all eternity, that is how, when, the, when John sees him in the, in the Revelation, the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, that's how he appears. His hair is white, his eyes are, are shining bright as, as fire, and his face was like the sun, shining with all of its strength. That's how Jesus appears now. Chapter 4, verse 5 of our epistle reading says this, We proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, as Lord. We are not the Lord. There is no bright, beautiful light within us that is apart from Jesus. There is certainly nothing within us that should be proudly shining forth and, and strutting its stuff and, and being celebrated. We are not stardust. We are not golden. And if you recognize those lyrics, you might have a little bit of hippie still in you. However, in Jesus, that is, united to him in baptism and, and faith, you do have light. You do have light. It is. There is big, bright, beautiful light dwelling within you on account of Jesus. As our epistle re reads, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We are being transformed in this world and in this life into the same image, of course, which is the image of Christ. The bright, beautiful, shining light of Christ. It's not our own light. It is Christ's light that shines upon us and in us. That this comes from the Lord, Paul says. 
You see, this light is given. It is given to you purely as a gift to be received through faith and from the fountain and source of all light, of all beauty, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. So now with unveiled faces, completely forgiven, completely reconciled with our Father in heaven, we simply bask in Christ's bright, beautiful light, the gospel light. And we reflect then that light into a world of darkness. We simply listen to him as our Father tells us to do. And we echo back his word, his word of repentance and forgiveness, of law and gospel, into a darkened world. And then together, with all of the saints, we wait. We wait for the day revealed to St. John in Revelation chapter 21. We wait, he says, he saw, he carried me up in the spirit to a mountain, a great mountain, high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear, and crystal. That is what awaits you, dear believers in Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.